In the Perspectrum podcast, we discuss controversial topics. Outside of this context, Michael and I are both working professionals. While doing this show, we are not acting as agents or representatives of our respective institutions. And none of the views that we express reflect the outlooks of our employers. So don't come to my office and throw toilet paper at me. And I don't have an office, but don't come to my cube. Hello and welcome back to the Perspectrum. I'm Michael Bloom. And I'm Nathan Seelove. We are super excited to be back with yeah. season three. Yeah. This is going to be so exciting. I mean, you know, when we first started off the show, you know, the form was a little bit different. We came to a conclusion after like a year or so, uh, after we wrapped up season one um, and made some adjustments. And then we just wrapped up season two when we took a break for a couple of months, honestly, so that we could do a bunch of life stuff that was not yeah. going to wait. <laughs> yeah, Michael Michael moved across the country. Yes, I moved and, across the country and I changed jobs. And I had a very very busy work schedule for this semester and also a lot of uh personal stuff that I can't talk about just yet, but I will be able to talk about a little bit later. So mm-hmm. that'll be fun. Yeah, for sure. And that was that was very cryptic. As is tradition, we're coming in, starting off season three, and we're going to be making some tweaks to the show. So hold on to your nuts. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, not everybody has two, Michael. Or any. <laughs> or any. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all in favor of nut diversity on this show. We have, we have representation of... of ver- like, yeah. <laughs> on the show, we've had... People with all of the numbers of nuts. <laughs> we got a guy with three. We can't say who. <laughs> Viral, but son you of know a who bitch. you are. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, so, so we're putting in place some slight adjustments to the format of the show. We're trying to keep it tight. We're trying to keep it short. And to that end, we're aiming to just do two segments. The hardest hitting of Perspectrum uh, stories is what we're going to come to you with. We're also introducing some new segment styles um, and and overall new segments that you'll get to hear as we kind of roll those out. And sadly, we're not going to continue to do the COVID numbers. Mm. It's not because COVID doesn't exist anymore. No. COVID absolutely does exist, but we are at the point where we have gotten more of a handle on it because of the vaccine. So thank God for science. Mm-hmm. And... Because it it's definitely been running our lives significantly less than it used to be. Exactly. So keep in mind, that isn't to say that if you have been exposed to someone with COVID that you shouldn't like wear a mask or take basic precautions, but it's definitely not what it used to be, which, mm-hmm. yay us. Yeah, which is great, which is really great. Yeah, ultimately, the numbers are not what tell the story anymore. That's the thing. Yeah, um, yeah that is true. If, you know, new vaccines come out if boosters come out you know those will show up at least in our tip for good if not in a segment um as like we learn new stuff about COVID, i'm sure we'll talk about it but right now the numbers are not the story yeah yeah so what what are the two stories that we're going to talk about today michael so tonight we are covering uh two really important topics uh well one really important topic one topic <laughs> that we can't not talk about yeah um yeah. so which y'all our, probably already know what it is yeah you can probably guess our first topic tonight we're talking about tucky Carr, good old tucker carlson 
uh, and Fox News. Keeps on Hatton. Exactly. And all of the shit that's been unfolding there, we'll break it down for you. We'll give our patented uh, perspective on the perspectrum um, and, uh, and break that all down for you. And then our second segment tonight, we will talk about the just fucking batshit, over-the-top, insane focus and rhetoric that Republicans have been aiming at trans people, especially in recent months. I feel like since we've been gone on vacation, things have gotten even more off the rails than they ever were. And so we want to we want to talk through that. Yeah. So let's get started. Tucky Carr. <laughs> I, I feel like I just I just have to say I I feel like the media has lost one of its best. <laughs> I I am I am deeply saddened by the leaving of Tucker Carlson because as you know I'm a huge fan of him. Mm-hmm. I will always remember that weird cackle that he did in weird opportun- inopportune places. Have you heard have you heard the Carlson yeah, cackle? His, his like really high pitched like yeah. little laugh. Yeah. I will miss yeah. that face that he makes when people talk where it's a cross between being confused and being constipated. Yeah. And I'll he's miss like that. angry about his own confusion and that's <laughs> their fault. <laughs> and I will always miss that um that cadence that he does where he says everything as if he is talking to a child. Because that is kind of how he sounds. Yeah. I will always miss that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I will miss that he won't be able to ass hat as much, at yeah. least I'm with sure any he luck. will still find ways. He's very talented. Yeah, he's he's one of the most skilled ass hats we've ever we've ever talked yeah. about. So, so if you've if you've listened to the perspective for perspective for a while, you know that we have a fearful respect for the way that Tucker yeah. manipulates his audience yeah he's not like the other people at fox news a lot of the people at fox news are complete fucking ding-dongs yeah like they're dumbasses yeah they they do lazy propaganda they're not smart about it they just regurgitate stupid talking points Mm -hmm. they don't have their fingers on the pulse they don't understand how to actually manipulate people tucker carlson is a very unique case of somebody who is a brilliant propagandist. Yes. He knows exactly what he's doing. He is very intelligent. He is very good at saying exactly what he what he knows that people want to hear. He is very good at no, at putting his finger on the pulse and knowing exactly what is going to appeal to the widest audience and what is going to get the widest audience to uh, to vote for Republicans, even yeah. even when he does critique Republicans, his ultimate goal is to bring more people to vote for Republicans. He is a brilliant propagandist, and he has been uniquely dangerous. And it's one of the reasons why, unfortunately, he was the top-rated uh, so-called news host on TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so if you haven't heard about it and you're like, why the fuck are these people talking about Tucker Carlson as if he were dead? Um, <laughs> on Monday, Fox released a statement that Tucker Carlson and Fox had, quote, parted ways. Basically, they fired him. They yeah. thanked him for his service um, and unceremoniously just canceled his show, Tucker Carlson, yeah. tonight. And apparently they told him 10 minutes before they announced it publicly. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love that. Yeah, me too. So it seems, according to some reporting that has been done since then, there's still a like so many questions about why and... and uh, 
like he was fired and what will happen next and all that stuff. And so that's some of the things we're going to be talking through and trying to break down. But apparently the decision to terminate Carlson uh, and in fact his producer as well came down on Friday night from the uh, Fox Corporation's CEO, Lachlan Murdoch, and Fox News CEO, uh, Suzanne Scott. And even though they made the decision purportedly on Friday night, they waited until Monday to tell him. In fact, in Carlson's sign-off on Friday, he said, quote, we'll be back on Monday. Um, and he, they were not. <laughs> and so it was super abrupt, wait, unceremonious. Wait, wait. You're, you're, saying, you're saying that he said something on his show that didn't end up being true? <laughs> well, that's not the surprising part. <laughs> <laughs> um, so super abrupt, unceremonious firing of this guy. And as Nathan said, this is surprising. This is the top-rated, like, cable news anchor on TV, on the top-rated cable yeah. news station. Not just not just on Fox, on TV. Yes, exactly. We're talking about, like, 3 million-plus viewers per night on average for a nightly show. We're talking about unprecedented influence, power, and, and, uh, and honestly— money tied to this anchor. Yeah. And so it's not the kind of thing that, you know, you it's not the kind of firing that you do without a reason. It's not the kind of thing that that comes out of nowhere usually. So one hypothesis that seems like a pretty strong one is that this is related to the Dominion uh lawsuit. So this is a lawsuit by Dominion Voting Systems against uh Fox Corporation, and it was recently settled where Fox News agreed to pay Dominion uh, $787.5 million, which is the largest publicly disclosed monetary settlement ever in an American defamation case, hmm. um, which, I mean, that stinks. That's almost a uh, billion dollars. Exactly. Like, Dominion that's going to hurt. Yeah, Dominion had sought 1.6, and the fact that they got 1.6 billion. And the fact they got even close to that is remarkable yeah. just before the case would go to trial. Yeah. So like and, if if one of my news anchors cost me almost a billion dollars, I'd probably fire his ass too. Yeah. And and so the reason they been saying that is because the standard for proving defamation of like a public company or a or a famous person is very very high. As and it should be. As it should be. It's a spe it's specifically designed to avoid uh you know, the cooling effect of being able to sue news organizations and news agencies for their coverage. Yeah. And so the, the standard is like, is, is called either actual malice or reckless disregard for the truth. Both yeah. basically mean that you have to prove that either they did like no research and had no regard for something being true or false, or yeah. that they intentionally tried to inflict, you know, harm onto the plaintiff. Yeah. And the evidence of that was pretty damn overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, Tucker Carlson was spreading these baseless conspiracy theories about the election being stolen, about Dominion voting. He was hosting people that were spreading these conspiracy theories. And we have text messages that he was sending to other Fox anchors basically saying he knows it's bullshit. Mm -hmm. In fact, he referred to Donald Trump as a demonic force. A demonic yeah. force. I mean... He was talking about various people he's bringing on, like like Sidney Powell, as if they were like as as if they were toddlers, as if they were mm -hmm. chi children. Like yeah. 
he clearly didn't believe any of the shit that he was saying, which I, I just like to point out the, the way I see it. That right there is like one of the biggest moral blunders a anybody who purports to to come to comment on politics can mm. ever do. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, I understand that some people might not express every single thing that pops in their head into a microphone. <laughs> like we try to, sometimes people try to filter themselves or try to say things in a nicer way, whatever, you know, but he was actively texting about one thing, privately believing one thing and pushing bullshit that he knew was wrong on his show. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like that that's that's the type of thing that should should make you turn against a person immediately all right yeah especially especially the anchor of a you know purported news organization so yeah tucker had some you know there were thousands of documents that were that were discovered as part of the dominion lawsuit discovery uh, many of which were subsequently uh released publicly and Tucker had some really damning statements in there, like things like while he was having Sidney Powell on his show to talk about, uh, you know, election conspiracy theories and fraud and all that stuff, saying thing, texting people saying things like, quote, Sidney Powell is lying and texting Powell saying, quote, you keep telling our viewers that millions of voters were ch- votes were changed by the software. If you don't have conclusive evidence of fraud at that scale, it's a cruel and reckless thing to keep saying. And yet... <laughs> he kept saying it. Yes. Yeah. And yes, it, it is a cruel and reckless thing to say, Tucker. Yeah. yeah. Carlson texted his producer, quote, the software shit is absurd, referencing specifically the claims that Dominion voting software had been hacked to rig the election. So in terms of the case itself, even at a really high standard for defamation of a public figure, um, it was a slam dunk. And that's clear because they settled and and uh, came out with a statement, Fox did, that said, quote, we acknowledge the court's rulings finding certain claims about Dominion to be false. This settlement reflects Fox's continued commitment to the highest journalistic standards. We're hopeful that our decision to resolve the dis- dispute with Dominion amicably instead of the acrimony of a uh, divisive trial allows the country to move forward from these issues. I'm sorry. I just... <laughs> <laughs> The highest journalistic standards. I feel like whoever wrote that, they had to have been laughing while they wrote it. Right? Like, what? <laughs> like, guys, come on. Come Real on. journalists don't require a lawsuit in order to tell the truth. Yeah. They didn't, they haven't even issued a retraction, right? It's and not the like they're retracting the... their statements. They just said, yep, these, some of these things might have been false. And fucking Rupert Murdoch mm-hmm. even admitted that the decision to keep promoting these conspiracy theories was not a was not some ideological uh, stance that they were taking. It was not some ideological position they were taking. It wasn't a moral stance they were taking. Mm-hmm. It was a business. It, it was a business decision. Yes. It was purely a business decision. The idea that you would even purport any level of, oh, well, we need to we need to punish this person because we need to uphold the highest standards of Fox News journalistic integrity. (laughs) Motherfucker, Rupert Murdoch specifically told you not to do that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's it's true. And you might be wondering, okay, like Carlson did say these things, but if you've been paying attention to the coverage of the Dominion voting case, so did Sean Hannity, so did Laura Ingram, so did Maria Bartiromo. So... Why is it that Carlson is getting fired while the others aren't? One thought might be 
that it's it it is these you know texts in combination with other statements that were released as part of the uh Dominion voting case, but that didn't necessarily directly cause them to lose hundreds of millions of dollars. Things like criticizing Trump, as uh, Nathan just said. So things like demonic force. Yeah, he called him a demonic force. And by the way, after that text came out and became public, he did an interview with Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually kind of surprised that Trump didn't bring it up mm-hmm. because it, it it's hard for me to believe that somebody as egomaniacal as Trump could sit down with Tucker Carlson knowing what he was texting about him and not be like, motherfucker, I heard what you said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially because we know that all Trump does is like sit around and watch Fox News and yeah. and what yeah. And then all that stuff. So, but at the same time, you might be even skeptical of this claim. Like, sure. Tucker Carlson may be shooting himself in the foot by saying that he doesn't like Trump. Although he came out right after that on his show and said, and said, quote, I spent four years defending his policies and I, I'm going to defend him again tonight. And actually, and I'm pretty straightforward. I love Trump. Like as a person, I think Trump is funny and insightful. God, such a fucking liar. Uh, Yeah. Like, yes. h- how I don't understand how you can be that brazen, have that little shame when there's definitive evidence that you don't, and expect people to believe you. And the mm-hmm. sad part is, some people still believe you. They do. They do. And that's the thing. That's the upshot of all of this, which makes me a little bit skeptical that this is the silver bullet that undid Tucker Carlson, because ratings at Fox News and on Tucker's show didn't take a hit after the Dominion leak, after we learned that Tucker was lying, which we kind of already knew. If you remember, there were texts that were leaked a while ago in this big explosive story in like liberal media, but really didn't make a blip on Fox News, where Tucker, Tucker was like going back and forth with Democrats and back-channeling and like really making it clear that he was part of the kind of political elite in Washington, the people that he yeah. decries and attacks and all this stuff. And yet the business impact didn't really take a hit. On top of that, when they fired Tucker Carlson, their their stock price dropped considerably. So, so my question as I was thinking about all this was, if you just lost hundreds of millions of dollars and you uh, have a bunch of anchors that are all making these claims, and sure, one is like a bit more over the top than the others, but he's also your most important. My question in my mind was, why are you shooting the golden goose? You know, even if he's costing you some money at a time when you could really use the ratings, why shoot the golden goose? Um, and some reporting has focused on an, an, another lawsuit, uh, specifically at Fox News, but naming Tucker Carlson and the organization that he runs at Fox specifically, claiming that they created a hostile work environment and uh, and that their practices were generally discriminatory. So this is a lawsuit by wait wait Abby wait Grossberg. wait wait you you mean to tell me that <laughs> Fox News they were discriminatory? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's the least surprising <laughs> thing that you could like claim in a lawsuit. But that's the th- that's the thing about all this stuff. It's not surprising. It's yeah. just not. But when it's proved out, I guess it can have maybe have an impact. And here's the. Like, here's the thing. I I saw that story. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't see it. 
I, I, I don't think that that's it. I, yeah. f- first off, I am not surprised in the least that apparently he was using, he was regularly using sexist language to, yeah, no kidding. to like demean uh, fellow employees. If he I, says I, that sh- shit on his show publicly, come on. You don't think he's yeah. saying worse shit privately? Yeah, exactly. Like I, I don't, I'm not surprised in the least. And I just, I cannot see that being the thing that, that does mm-hmm. him in. I just, it's Fox news. Like it's Fox news. Yeah. The place that straight up has a requirement for, for how uh, short uh, a skirt has to be <laughs> like oh, for, for, for the, for the female anchors. Like oh. I'm just saying there's no way they care about that. All so right, there's no way that they care about that more than they care about the whole, like the almost a billion dollars. I mean, I, keep in mind, this is, this is just my opinion. Yeah. Like this is speculation. I'm, I'm not saying this based on definitive evidence. That's, that's, that's my opinion on the subject. Um, I just, I just don't see that being the reason. Yeah. I, I like have I don't know exactly what the straw that broke the camel's back is. I think it's probably a confluence of things. The reason that That's this possible. got my attention was mainly because, well, two kind of two things. Because Fox fired Roger Ailes um, a couple a few years ago, specifically over like sexual misconduct, sexual harassment, and Roger Ailes was a previous head of Fox News and replaced him with uh, Suzanne Scott. And like one of the things that she, was her mandate to do was to clean up. Fox News and make it not this kind of hostile work environment. Plus, Fox News does have a history of firing even important people when yeah. they cross the sexual harassment, sexual like misconduct line. People like Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. Exactly. And so like I'm not saying that I, I I think I agree with you because there's no allegation of like misconduct here necessarily, but a hostile work environment. But I think it could Which be still a bad. contributing. Which is factor. still bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I, but maybe it's more of the fact that he was like putting out a bunch of shitty comments about the executives. Honestly, they might have big enough egos that that was the case. So, yeah. like, some of the texts that were leaked um, had like negative comments about leadership and executives. And apparently, one anonymous source told the Wall Street Journal that there were even worse statements that were hidden behind redactions uh, in the publicly. Uh, available documents. So presumably the Fox News execs would have seen those. And it would be so funny if those executives just burned like a billion dollars on top of a $700 million lawsuit just because they were annoyed by the guy. (laughs) Yeah. One thing about this entire story that I find really interesting and really, really kind of validating is that this really does confirm what you and I have been saying all along. Like you and I have been saying all along that Tucker Carlson does not believe a word that he says, that that this, that he's completely a propagandist, Mm -hmm. that he never believes anything that he says. He just, he says what he thinks is going to get the most views and what's hopefully going to bring more people to, to vote for the Republican party. Like that's what we said. Mm We've, we've been saying that for a long time. And like, it's kind of one of those things where I've been 97% sure about that all along mm-hmm. but there's always like that three percent of like well i don't know am i wrong could i potentially be wrong i'm pretty sure i'm not wrong but there's always that three mm-hmm. percent and these and these texts that we see that we've seen from him that proves that he was he, he believed one thing and he was saying another thing really does validate and prove what we've been thinking all along what we've been saying all along yeah and i just like to point out you know, the moment I think I've I think I've said this to you personally, 
uh, but I don't know if I've, I've made this point on the show before. You know the point that I knew that you could never trust Tucker Carlson hmm. to, to say what he actually means? You know, you know the point that I knew that you could never trust him? What's that? It was, when he stopped, it was when he stopped wearing a bow tie. <laughs> that sounds like a little bit of bias sneaking in no, there. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm serious. All right? He used to wear a bow tie. That was his thing. Like, that was a big part of his personality. It was something that he was, he was putting out there. It's like, this is, this is me. This mm-hmm. is my thing. This is what I do. He used to wear a bow tie, but then he stopped wearing a bow tie. Mm. He stopped wearing a bow tie because he cared more about his image than being authentic. And as soon as that happened, I thought, you can't trust him. Yeah. Because that's what he cares more about. He doesn't care about authenticity. He doesn't care about, this is who I am. This is my honest self. Look, I'm a bow tie wearer. Yeah, you are. I've been, I've been teased for being a bow tie wearer. I don't give a fuck. I like wearing a bow tie. All right? It's, it's better than a hang tie. Because hang ties fall in your shit. They fall in your soup. All right? They feel like they're pulling down on me. A bow tie... It's so easy. Nobody can <laughs> grab it. You know, it doesn't fall in your food, you yeah. know? And I think it, and I, personally, I think it looks better than a hang tie. All right. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what you think. I don't care how you make fun of me for it. All right. I'm going to wear a bow tie because I like wearing a bow tie. And the yeah. moment that you, that I knew that you couldn't trust Tucker Carlson was the moment that he stopped wearing a bow tie. When he compromised his principles. When he yeah. compromised his principles. <laughs> Not only did he have a tie that could drop into soup, but one that could be used against him as a weapon. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so real quick to wrap up, I do want to focus on one key thing here, which is what is next? What does this mean? So on the upside, it means Tucker Carlson, one of the most destructive forces on Fox News, is no longer on Fox News. It's not going to change Fox News. It's not going to change the American perspective or electorate or Republicans. Um, So unfortunately, they're just going to put someone else in that spot that is just as bad, although maybe, hopefully, less effective. Hmm. What I'm worried about, though, and this may be moot, if Tucker Carlson has a non-compete or something like that, maybe this is a non-issue. We currently don't know if he has a non-compete clause or if one that would stand up in court. What I'm worried about, however, is that as Fox News is already bleeding viewers and ratings to more extreme smaller networks, if I were running one of these smaller networks, I would think this is the biggest opportunity for my network that has ever come along. I would mortgage the house to get Tucker Carlson on my network because with him would come his rhetoric, it would come his perspective. But as we know, Tucker Carlson will say what is necessary to keep and get his audience's attention which means if his audience is not Fox News viewers, but OAN viewers, that means his rhetoric will only become more extreme and potentially just as effective, which means that this could, you know, if he's as powerful a force in, Amer- in setting American uh, politics and influencing the Republican conversation going forward, if it's not just the network and it's Tucker himself that is the difference maker, drawing millions and millions of viewers, this could be way worse. Hopefully it was Fox News. Hopefully Fox News was the thing that drew 3 million people a night to watch this primetime slot. But if it was Tucker Carlson, I think things are going to get worse. And now we have a new segment for you called Beyond the Talking Points. So Nathan, what the fuck is this? 
Well, Michael, we often find that there are so many common talking points that people like to make, that political commentators, politicians like to make over and over again, that too many people just believe, but can actually be easily debunked by just, in some cases, a few simple questions, mm -hmm. in some cases, a few simple arguments, and in some cases, just literally using half of your brain for like two seconds. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, you hear people parrot them all the time. They're, they're the kinds of talking points that, that echo and clamor around uh, our, our discourse. And even though they're wrong, they're appealing. Yeah. And so knowing why they're wrong and being able to tell the people around you, hey, just if you're interested, these are three or four reasons why that's actually not true. That's a pretty powerful thing to be able to do. And we want you, audience, to be armed with those talking points, with, with those counterpoints, those arguments, those facts, so that you can go beyond the talking points. So, Michael, in what way are we going beyond the talking point today? Okay, so the talking point that we're tackling is abortions are wrong because they kill babies. And what this is implying, essentially, is that abortions kill late-term fetuses. And so you're basically killing a baby when you have an abortion. Yeah. There's a few yeah. important things that are wrong with this. Bullet point one, most abortions are not late-term. 50% yeah. of abortions in 2020 were uh, medical-induced, right? Medical, like, medication-induced abortions. So that's below nine weeks. In total, 93% of abortions occur before 13 weeks of gestation, with another 6% between 14 and 20 weeks, which means 99% of abortions occur within the first 20 weeks. Yeah. And furthermore, the talking point that... Democrats specifically, and abortion activists specifically, want to be able to kill babies up until the point of pregnancy also has many flaws in it. Because let's look at the specifically that 1%. Because I, I want to make sure that y'all know we're not disregarding the fact that sometimes that oftentimes that 1% is very legitimate. Here's here's what leads an abortion to happen that 1% of the time in that third trimester. Three possibilities. Number one, the person did not have access to an abortion clinic because geographically they just weren't close to one. And if that's the case, then the solution, if you want to prevent those, the solution is more abortion clinics. Number two, the person did not have the financial ability to pay for an abortion earlier on, in which case the solution for that would be public funding of abortion. Number three, cases in which the life of the individual make the pregnancy unable to make it to term, all right? Which most people already seem to already agree on. Like, most mm -hmm. people seem to agree that, yeah, of course, when it's, when it's the life of the individual, when it's the life of the carrier, you, you absolutely want to make sure that it's available. Now, the problem is, oftentimes... The way that the that even exceptions for for life of the parent is is written into law, it often translates into only if you are dying on the operating table right now will I allow there to be an abortion. All right, there have been many cases. Uh, there were several cases that came out in Texas where uh, where women had wanted an abortion because it was clear that 
they would their life would be in danger if they tried to carry the pregnancy to term. But the doctors didn't want to do it because they weren't dying on the operating table in that exact moment. So that right there is why it makes sense to keep that decision for the doctors, even mm-hmm. up and until that third trimester. Yeah. And finally, draconian abortion bans that are going into a place right now are mainly focused at outlying early term abortions. So you're not solving killing babies, right? That, that is a problem that basically doesn't exist and is not the focus of today's abortion bans. And that's beyond the talking point. So for our next segment, we're talking about a very serious topic, which is the proliferation and intensification of targeting trans people by the Republican Party. Yeah. By the Republican Party, by conservative activists, by right-wing commentators. It has always been a massive issue, but it feels like it's getting worse. It feels like the more the, the clearer it is that Republicans are losing the battle on economics, the more it becomes clear that Republicans are just uh, are becoming less and less popular. The more it seems that they're trying to focus on these culture war issues, on these uh, on these instances in which there are enough people that don't understand enough about uh, about trans identity in order to be sympathetic towards their viewpoint. Mm. But it's like when the it's like what the Republicans always do when they seem to have a point that semi starts to work. They milk it. They milk it. They milk it. They milk it. They milk it until they've gone so fucking ridiculous that even people that might have been sympathetic to them initially start to look at it and they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And that's absolutely what's been happening. Um, They have been going completely off the rails in terms of their anti-trans rhetoric. Just to give just to give a few examples, um, Michael Knowles who is this uh, crazy right-wing activist on, um, uh, on the Daily Wire, uh, gave a speech at CPAC in which he called for the eradication of transgender ideology. Hmm. Uh, the eradication of transgenderism. Yeah. Um... You know, and of course, he, he, his justification, he went back, when he tried to go back on it, his argument was, oh, well, I wasn't talking about the eradication of trans people. I was talking about transgenderism, the idea. Mm-hmm. And his argument is because I don't think that trans people exist. Yes. Right? Trans yeah. people just don't exist. Yep. Which, if that's your argument, you're, 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 a, du- you're a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's no other way to say it. You're, you're a dumbass. Mm-hmm. They, they exist. They obviously exist. I mean, and that seems to be the big, the big thing that a lot of these right-wing commentators have been trying to focus on. They've been trying to say that this is just some new ideology that a bunch of, you know, horrible, evil, demonic adults are trying to push on, push on children mm-hmm. in order to confuse them about their gender identity. Yeah. Um, another example of just absolutely insane rhetoric and just a horrific 
just a, a, a horrific statement. Um, Matt Walsh, who we've called out before on this show. Mm-hmm. In fact, we've called him out specifically on this issue before. He was talking about trans children. Uh, he, he was referring to trans children. And he said, quote, for a parent to see this happen to a child, it is a fate worse than death. Mm. I would rather be dead than have that happen to my kids. Jesus. Fucking Jesus Christ. He said he would rather be dead than have a trans child. I feel so sorry for his children mm-hmm. if that is his attitude. If his attitude is so hateful towards an identity that they could potentially possess, I just I just cannot even fathom the the mm-hmm. the, the, the feeling you must have. Um and, and I also just I can't fathom the idea that someone would be that committed to this bullshit, that committed to this bullshit anti-transgender ideology that you would actually prefer to be dead than have your child occupy that identity. I just, I mean, that that's just, you're just a shitty parent. Yeah. I mean. Y- yeah. <laughs> the framing of, it's interesting juxtaposing those two examples because on the one hand, they're bending over backwards to try to distance themselves from anti-human rhetoric by saying it's an ideology, not an identity. There aren't transgender people. It's just transgenderism, right? It's the, it's the, it's the attack on men and women and gender and, and society and all that shit. They're like distant trying to, distance themselves from saying that like we're going after people but then at the same time speaking out of the other side of their mouth or in this case the other side of you know the 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 podium or whatever they're saying that yes but trans people do exist and they're unacceptable yeah they're not they don't count as human beings is essentially what that claim is it's like they're chill like children unwill unworthy of love they are the worst thing that could happen to a parent. Yeah. It's it's despicable and it's fucking dangerous. Yeah. Because the thing is people listen to him. Yep. Like he has an audience. Even if he doesn't have a trans child, someone in his audience, like in a big enough audience, it is a statistical certainty that some of them will have transgender children. Mhm. Yeah. Like that is a statistical certainty. And the fact that this is the type of rhetoric that you're spewing, this is the type of idiotic bullshit, hateful gust that you're spewing. Yeah. It's going to impact somebody. Somebody's going to hear that and someone's going to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And someone is going to react horribly if their if their child comes out to them as trans. Yeah. And the thing is, we know we know based on evidence, based on um, based on studies, that growing up in a loving environment for trans youth increases their likelihood of surviving, literally surviving. Mm-hmm. It decreases their rates of suicidality. Um, according to a survey done by the Trevor Project in 2022, nearly one in five transgender and non-binary youth attempted suicide in the last year. Mm. In, in in the prior year. Nearly one in five. One fifth. In the prior year. Yeah. That's the thing. 
That's not just, that's not ever, that's not ever in your life. That's not since you've come out. That's none of those things. It's in the last 12 months. Yeah. And in fact, in terms of just uh, suicidal ideation, seriously considering suicide in the past year, more than half, more than half of transgender youth and non-binary. Yeah. Like more than half. Mm. And on top of that, youth who felt high support from their family reported attempting suicide at less than half of the rate. Yeah. Less than half of the rate. We have two tools that we know reduce the likelihood that a trans person will experience suicidal ideation or attempt suicide. Two things, two things that we could do that will increase the likelihood that a trans person makes it to fucking adulthood. One of them is support. Yeah. Love from their family love from their community, uh, recognition of their identity. And the second, which is not always the case, is not always applicable. Lots of trans people and non-binary people don't go through this. But for those that, that you know, do, this is a positively life-saving measure, which is gender-affirming healthcare. Yeah. These, exactly. those, we, we wish we had more options to make sure that we could keep people fucking alive. But those are the two things that we can do. And not only the rhetoric, but also the legislation from the Republican Party is going after both of these things. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, in just just this year, um, and it's only of, April. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, as of as of April fifth, over one hundred pieces of legislations were introduced in state legislatures that were focused on banning aspects of gender affirming medical care. Mm -hmm. All right, that's a that's according to the American Civil Liberties Union. Over a hundred pieces of legislation. Over 100 pieces of legislation, yeah. every single one of those is deadly. Every single one of those, if passed, because those, those were just introduced, every single one of those, if passed, have the potential to result in more dead trans children. Mm -hmm. All right? Let, let's, 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 let's go ahead and quell some common talking points about gender-affirming care real quick. I know that we've done this before, but, I mean, the way I see it, if you're still making these, if people are still making these stupid ass arguments, then keep taking your fucking medicine. All right. So first off, one of the, the, the earliest method of, of uh, gender affirming healthcare isn't even medical. It's just therapy. Mm -hmm. All right. It's just talking to a therapist who, who is an expert in, um, in trans youth. And, you know, sometimes it might include, uh, changing your pronouns. Sometimes it might include changing your name, but nothing medical. All right. Mm -hmm. The point where it starts to get medical usually happens around the time in which the per in which the the trans child is going through puberty. All right. So the the, the puberty age usually around like uh, you know eleven through thirteen or so. Um, and the option that is often available then is puberty blockers. Now we often hear politicians and commentators demonize puberty blockers as like medical mutilation or, or whatever, which is uh, fucking nuts and wrong. Yes. All right. Because puberty blockers are reversible. All you got to do is stop taking them mm -hmm. and boom, you go through puberty. And yeah. in fact, importantly, puberty blockers have actually been used for non-trans youth. Mm hmm for years, all right? 
there have been there have been plenty of cases in it's common practice for when a when a child is going through puberty too early which sometimes happens early onset puberty sometimes they're put on puberty blockers to mm-hmm. just prevent it for a little bit so that they have it at around the the time that that most kids have it mm-hmm. all right so it's not like this is a unique treatment mm-hmm. it has been used for other you know in other circumstances mm-hmm. Um, then around the ages of uh, 15 or 16, the option for uh, hormone therapy uh, is is presented. And again, that is when the person is er- is older and more mature. And to be clear, in order to get that care, there are a lot of hurdles that you need to jump through. All right. You have to have a therapist that is certifying that you are mature enough to make that decision. Mm-hmm. All right. You have to have consent from your parents, right? These 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 conservatives are always talking about uh, parent choice. That's a part of this. That's yeah. a part of this. Parent yeah. choice is a part of this. Um, to be fair, you know, and to you know, make making sure that we're being honest and making sure we're being upfront, uh, there is some potential evidence to suggest that hormone therapy can sometimes have impacts on fertility. Like there there is some evidence to suggest that, um, and. Depending on how long you take it, there are some effects that might not be reversible, or at least might not be as quickly reversible. But most of the effects are reversible. And to the extent that there are some that are not, again, I reiterate the fact that you have to go through hurdles in in order to have access to this, which includes... A you know a, a professional deeming that you are mature enough to make that decision, all right. That's I think that that's an important that's an important thing to note. Uh, that's an important thing to consider. It's not like any kid can just one day decide, fuck it. I guess I'm a girl, and then go to CVS, grab yeah. hormones, which, and which, just start injecting. Which is just, the just straw man. Which is the straw man that they're trying yeah. to portray, right? The thing that this rhetoric is focused on is like all of these kids are being tricked into being an you know another gender or non-binary as a result of these adults, and it's just a whim, and they're gonna regret it later. And like, I'm sorry, but that's just not borne out in the evidence. Yeah, that's just not what is happening. Yeah, and then of course the final one is surgery, which there are no surgical options until the person turns at least 16. Um, And even then, most of the time when surgery happens, it's after the person's already turned 18. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Usually the, the main examples of, of surgery uh, under the age of 18 is usually top surgery. Meaning um, if someone is uh, a, a, a trans man, um, like a a double mastectomy, Mm -hmm. Um, usually, you know, ba- based on what I've looked at, usually medical professionals do not suggest genital surgery uh, until after the person's turned 18. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's usually the case. So, again, the straw man of some kid is going to go into a clinic and then and then yeah. ask, like, hey, you know, cut off my dick. Mm-hmm. That's just not going to that just doesn't just happen. Not, that's not how not it works. Happening. It's a straw man. Yeah. It is a complete straw man. Yeah. The other thing that blows me away about this rhetoric is how obsessed the right is yeah. with children's genitalia. 
I, that sounds like a straw man, but it's just what is happening. Like they're yeah. talking about like they're talking about like checks to make sure that people who are uh, competing in sports are not a yeah. different biological sex than their expressed gender. Like they're what the they're, actual fuck? And and the, the what what blows my mind about this is not just that like they're obsessed with this topic, but that they're demonizing it to such an extreme extent. They are total. They are demonizing this people. And and it's a minority of people, yeah. right? It's not like like to your point, Nathan. What they what they believe about this group is false and is a straw man. And there's no reason to be obsessed with these with the experiences of these children and the choices that they make about their lives and the choices that they make with their parents and all of those things. And and that's just like focusing on the kid aspect. There's also no reason to be so obsessed with the adults here. And like, so because like this is, these are pr extremely private and personal things. And because this is a small group of people, we're talking about like, you know, according to a Pew Research study, 1.6% of US adults are transgender or non-binary. Now it is higher for people under 30, about 5.1% of adults under 30 are trans or non-binary. But we're talking about a minority of people making intensely personal private decisions. And, and the Republicans are exceptionally focused on this, yeah. which means that they are just demonizing this group. Yeah. There's no harm that's being caused. There's no, there's no impact to society. There's nothing here except fear mongering. Yeah. This is a minority being singled out and targeted for doing nothing that hurts other people. For right? existing. For just existing. And we've seen that before, right? Yeah. This this shows up whenever a group, whenever a political group starts to lose power and lose influence and they need to hold on by a toehold. And unfortunately, it is often a very effective means to maintain power, to gain it back, to control the conversation, right? Demonize immigrants. The Nazis fucking demonized Jews, you know, yeah. like so many authoritarian governments and and countries pick a select minority to demonize and pin all of their fears and problems on. There is simply no way that this group could be causing all of the problems that Republicans are claiming they're causing. Yeah. So on the one hand, we have a straw man and we have attacks on a minority, right, by all of these groups. And on the other side of that, what we get for what the Republicans get for all that is a higher incidence of of mental health problems by taking away support and gender affirming care, higher likelihood of suicide, and targeting by extremely conservative, violent people, right? Like like attacks on trans people, attacks on people in drag because Republicans generally are grouping all LGBTQ issues together right now. And Mass including shootings. exactly club Q in Colorado, five people killed 17 more wounded because a person yeah. went to a gay nightclub and, and it would have been more if not, for, if, if not for the actions of a hero. Exactly. I mean, like it is getting completely out of hand. It's getting completely insane. And to, to the point that I made earlier, my hope is that because of how crazy they're being, that normie type people are starting <laughs> to catch on. 
you know, yeah. I, again, I, I don't think that I don't think that any activist should have to cede any ground on this issue, mm -mm. right? But I have definitely been noticing even even people that don't like even people that don't tend to be um super like pro LGBT activists, mm -hmm. uh, like even fucking Joe Rogan recently, mm -hmm. who has has made anti trans comments in the past, mm -hmm. even he was making fun of how much people lost their shit over the 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 bud commercial or the yeah. the the, yeah. the bud uh marketing bud campaign yeah, yeah yeah like even even he was saying like what the fuck y'all yeah <laughs> um so like my, my hope is that that's is that people are going to start seeing who these people really are based on their rhetoric uh and hopefully that's going to start to to really shift the the conversation but in the meantime actual harm is being done Actual harm is being done on a legislative level, on a rhetorical level, on terms of rhetoric that leads to more and more hate crimes. Mm -hmm. uh, Trump basically blamed trans ideology uh, on mental health issues and violence. Um, he said that uh, he would he said that if he was elected, he would work with federal agencies to uh, try to to try to prevent the promotion of sex and gender transition at any age, not just for minors. Uh, and in Florida, they actually introdu they introduced a law, and it, it's passed the House of Representatives, that would authorize the state to take the custody of children if the parents agreed to gender-affirming care. Kidnapping children. Kidnapping children because their parents were decent parents and realized, oh, damn, I got to make sure that my trans kid survives to adulthood. So I'm going to make sure that they get the care that they need to, that they have a loving, supportive environment, which, again, as we talked about earlier, that right there is how you prevent suicide. That right there is how you prevent suicide. So parents that are doing the right thing, that are trying to prevent suicide— are now, at, if this passes, would be at risk of having their children taken away from them by the floor by the the Florida government. Which, by the way, I'd just like to point out, what the fuck happened to parent choice? All right, your whole thing this entire time has been parent choice. It was never about parent choice. That was always that was always a bullshit talking point. It was always a dog whistle. They don't care about parent choice. They care about the fact that there are some progressive people not even progressive people some decent folk that want to raise their kids to make sure that their kids are happy with who they are with who they become they want to raise their kids to make sure that their their kids are not hateful towards other people towards other minorities and you don't like that you don't like that ideology so you want to step in be a bunch of authoritarians and take children away from them that is what you're th that is what they're doing it was never about freedom. It was never about choice. It was about authoritarianism and control. That is what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. I want to end on a little bit more of a positive note. Because part of the reason why we did this segment this week was because uh, on, on my campus, where I work, um, there was this horrific... Uh, anti-trans political commentator who was coming to speak 
Um, her name is Liz Wheeler. She was on she was on One American News Network, and she was she was coming to my campus to give a speech about the ideology of transgenderism. Like that was actually that was the title Jesus of her of, of her shitty speech. And Fuck, you know, that's so dumb. She has. She, look, she has the freedom of speech to say what she wants, but you know what the students at my school did? They used their freedom of speech to protest, to counter-protest. And they did a rally on on the quad of my campus just today that, that I got to go to, and they spoke their truth. I saw, I saw speaker after speaker tell their story about their experience as, as trans people, as non-binary people, um, the process of transitioning, uh, for some of them, for some of them, just being more comfortable in their skin. Mm -hmm. They were sharing their stories and so much of what they said was so, was so touching and so on point and so beautifully, beautifully articulated that it really did give me hope. There were there were sentiments that some of them were expressing, like the, at one point there was this this trans woman, who was a student, who didn't feel comfortable enough to come out as trans until she was in college. But her entire life she had been she had felt like she was in the wrong body, mm -hmm. and just the fact just being able to grow her hair out without her parents forcing her to cut it was so. It was so powerful for her. She said she'd never been happier. And at one point she actually said, you know, talking about Liz Wheeler, she said, uh, I love myself and I hope that one day Liz Wheeler loves herself the way that I love myself. And that just, that really hit me. That really, that really got me. And what was even more touching than these amazing stories that, uh, that these people were sharing the truths that they were speaking, what was even more amazing to me was the crowd. The people, the people who had uh, organized the event, they actually said, we expected maybe 50 people to show up. Like they had actually planned some events around uh, in the, in this, uh, in this event, they had, they had planned some activities around the idea that maybe 50 people would show up. And according to them, uh, and you know, just, just eyeing the area, it looked like it was about this many, 400 people showed up 400 students showed up 400 came out some of which were were allies some of which were uh, self-advocates but everybody was there with the common goal that this generation this campus will not accept the type of hate spewed by shitbags like this and i just gotta say as as a millennial who often feels hopeless about the world because a lot of millennials have like have have gone through periods of time in which hope was like dangled in front of us and then just ripped away like as a millennial that often feels hopeless about the world seeing this next generation of activists advocates people that care about tolerance that care about justice that care about making sure that everybody whether they're they're like us or unlike us, whether they're trans or or cis, that everybody feels comfortable with who they are, that everybody feels comfortable with living their life, with living their truth, 
authentically and without judgment and without fear of violence. And being able to see that, being able to see the passion in this crowd as they cheered, as they cheered people on, some, some, some speakers choking up as they told their stories and everybody just cheering like, you got this, all right? You know, we're, we're here for you. We love you. We care about you. That was the most, that was the most powerful thing I've ever seen. And, and as a teacher, uh, as a teacher of these people, I felt like I was, I was being taught. Um, I felt like I was, I was getting a lesson from, from this generation in, in what it looks like when you don't give up. And if, if that, if that is what this generation represents, then I actually do feel optimistic about the future. So now it's time for one of our favorite segments, the D-Bag Award. So Nathan, what's a D-Bag Award? Well, a D-Bag Award is an award that we like to give out to people that just make the stupidest self-defeating arguments that just, like, self-evidently on the surface you, you hear and you're just like dude did you really just say that oh, and of man. course it is it is named after one of our favorite dershowitz bags the original d-bag alan dershowitz for that fateful time in which he stood in front of congress to defend trump during the impeachment hearing saying that he could not possibly have done anything that rises to the level of impeachment because it was in he believed that it was in the country's best interest for him to win the election. And because of that, it doesn't matter that he cheated because it would have, because it would have helped him fulfill that goal. Mm. Wow. I, so I am on the edge of my seat. What on God's green earth could possibly rise to the level of a D bag? Well, Michael, I'm glad you asked uh, because this week's D bag is a newcomer, someone that we've never heard of before. Great. Um, it is uh it is actually a a state representative, a Florida Republican state representative, and his name is uh Webster Barnaby. Webster Barnaby, what a name. All right, yeah. come on down. I feel like all we have to do every week to find a D-bag or an asset is just go to the list of Florida state reps. <laughs> we go in alphabetical order. <laughs> All the Republican state reps from Florida will just pick them, one of them that week. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure one of them said something. <laughs> Some one bullshit. Of them said so, something. So what which, did Webster and, and I, I Barnaby? Feel, is that his name? Yeah, Barnaby. Oh wow. I which I love that. I love the name Barnaby. I know. Barnaby is really such nice. a cool name. I know. Such a cool name for such a douche. For such a douche. So what did this douchebag say to uh, to earn a D-bag award? So in keeping with our uh, with our theme from the last segment about crazy shit that Republicans have been spewing about trans people, um, he he had a take on what the world is coming to today in terms of uh, in terms of a society where there's more and more trans people, mm -hmm. and he made a comparison that I I don't think he's self aware enough to realize that he kind of just told on himself. So he made a comparison to the X-Men movies, specifically comparing trans people to X-Men, but that being a bad thing. He said, quote, I'm looking at society today, and it's like I'm watching an X-Men movie. It's like we have mutants living among us on planet Earth. Oh, man. <laughs> so wait, so what you're telling me is that he watches X-Men. 
you know, the one where there are superheroes that can do cool shit. That can do cool shit. Like read minds. Yeah. Who are risking their lives to protect the rest of humanity and all the dickholes that are trying to screw them over from anybody that would endanger them. He's yeah. he's viewing those X-Men, those superheroes, as the bad guys? Yeah. Is that it? And not only that. But apparently he's viewing that that politician from the first movie. Mm, the one that turns like into the, a slug of gloop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Apparently prior to prior to him changing his mind, like prior to when he changed his mind, mm-hmm. realizing, oh, you know, you yeah, yeah. you people are afraid of me and I feel bad about that. Like prior yeah. to that, uh, apparently you thought he was the good guy. <laughs> you thought that politician who was trying to like who was trying to legislate away mutants you thought that was the good guy what the fuck (laughs) what movie was he watching (laughs) what movie were you watching like you're you're telling on yourself bro seriously like do you do you watch lion king and cheer for scar (laughs) like i don't know it's like i'm waking up and all of a sudden like all the (laughs) willoughbys are running over the bad guys (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like what is this like I, I almost feel sorry for him now because now i'm thinking like he must think that the only movies that exist are tragedies because almost every single movie involves like you know the bad guy losing and he mm. must he must think that's the only thing that exists because those are always those are always the people he's cheering for <laughs> <laughs> he's like i don't know why movies always end so sad <laughs> yeah yeah like oh my god you know, god that got that that judge in the hunchback of notre dame who was trying to like he was just trying to protect his city yeah, you know exactly. and he got he got he got thrown off the edge of like you know that <laughs> that gaston guy like he was just trying to kill that beast yeah that evil beast like you know to be fair and, actually now that you say it all of these are straight on point these are yeah, actually are. things that he would oh these these evil guys <laughs> are trying to destroy the outcasts the downtrodden like the like yeah the the out group yeah, actually, that's on brand. He definitely thinks those guys are the good guys. Yeah. What a shocking admission. What an it's idiotic no admission. Like, wow. tell me tell me you're the bad guy without telling me you're the bad guy. <laughs> so congratulations to... Webster War- Barnaby. Bartleby the Scrivener <laughs> for being this week's D-bag. All right, and with that... We're ending our first episode of season three. Now, we couldn't wrap up this episode without thanking all of the amazing people that make this show possible. So thank you to our amazing patrons and our incredible editor, Kayla Faniff, for all they do. And before we end, Nathan, we got to do it. Hmm. What's your highlight? Honestly, I know I already I know I already mentioned this in the last segment, but my highlights that that rally like yeah. it was it was so touching. Like I just sense. it can't be anything other than that. It was yeah. it was so touching. It was it 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 gave me so much hope, and I, I love the students on my campus. That's uh, awesome. What about you, Michael? What, what was your highlight? Um, I think so. So this past weekend uh, was like the first weekend that Bree and I have gotten a chance to like spend in Seattle in our new apartment together, even though we've lived there for like a month. Um, so we got a chance to just like do house things and buy furniture and move into our space and feel like we have a home. Um, and that was awesome. It felt really great. Nice. And with that, thank you so much for listening to the Perspectrum and you'll hear from us again next week. 